what do you leave in your riding wake? Uh, this week my thoughts are about do we plan ahead? Uh, and planning ahead in this context means actually planning how you'll look back and what you'll look back to look for and see. Sounds a bit weird, right? So let's crack on. How often when we ride our horses at homeschooling them or out on the trail or even competing, do we ask ourselves what the end in mind is? I don't mean the colour of the rosette we're going for or the score we want or whether or not we're going to qualify for the regionals. What I'm getting at is what is the tone that we intend to set for the horse and for ourselves with that ride so that we can look back and think about what the experience of that ride that day was like for both of us. For example, the question you may want to have in mind if you want to play with this concept is as follows. If success leaves a trail, what do I see when I look back? What's on my trail? By asking this, it gives us a focus for our energy and our attitude and our mindset, not just for our actions. If we want to look back at our so-called wake and see evidence of relaxation and connection with our horse, then how we approach that ride needs to have allowed that to happen. It needs to have waited for it to be present before moving on to the next thing or activity that we did with our horse. And we have to have built in due reward for the horse for offering that relaxation and connection when it was there, if in fact that's what we want to see in our wake when we look back. If you could chart the path left by your attitude and not your actions, and therefore chart the path of your mental thoughts during a ride, would you be able to? What would it look like? Where would you start? There's no doubt that when we look back at a round of golf, we usually know which hole we lost the plot on, or in tennis, which game we lost the set in. With a cross-country course, we know the fences that caused us the most challenge. If all we had was a roadmap of our thinking and how it changed mid-course or class, how would that tie into those very obvious outcomes and pain points. There's no doubt that riding can be both complex and simple. To seek the simplicity, we have to master the complexity. And to master the complexity, we have to keep things simple. Ultimately, for me, riding should feel intuitive and flowing. To reconnect with the simplicity, I think personally of how it used to feel when I rode a, a pony as a 12-year-old child. And I try to keep that mindset and that level of confidence top of mind when I ride and reflect it in my attitude. And that attitude really is around a reflection of fun and forgiveness and it just not mattering because what we were doing was we were doing for pure fun and enjoyment alone. So I'm not talking about feeling childish here when I say I go back to being 12 years of age. I'm not talking about tantrums here. What I am talking about was as a child riding ponies, it was literally um, as simple as jumping on their backs, often bareback, and cantering off around the common across or across the playing field. We didn't have a care in the world. We didn't hear voices in our heads reminding us toes up, heels down, ear, shoulder, elbow, heel, hip, <laughs> hip, heel, um, or worrying which seat bone or sit bone was lifted or, or not more than the other. We just sat, rode, wriggled around and flew like birds. It was exhilarating, it was fun, natural and instinctive. It wasn't mechanical or technical and we had no gadgets or must-have latest brand of girth. We had no knowledge of gait measurement, biomechanics, gel pads, life-transforming stirrup irons, or inflatable air vests. It was tough, no doubt, harsh when you took a tumble, but the point was to learn to ride and stay on board. If I had learned to play golf or tennis as a child with the same passion as I rode horses, I'm sure it would have been a similar approach, swing, hit, aim. 
Yes, aim being the last part of the process. In golf and tennis, it's about letting the feel of the swing guide the result and trust your hand-eye coordination. If a golf club or tennis racket was a living, breathing, feeling being, not a carbon fibre shaft, how differently would we approach it? How differently would you treat your club or racket? And this is the challenge we have with riders, as riders with our horses. As horse, horse riders, we already know our horse is living, thinking and breathing, but I wonder how many of us stop to think what we should stop doing with or to the horse to get the best out of the, the combination and our partnership. How much improvement in our horse-rider relationship might we achieve by addressing a few overlooked essentials, including having empathy for the horse's needs, both emotionally as well as physically? After all, they're neither machines nor tools and should not be, should not be expendable or easily exchangeable. But recognising that is a mindset shift for some of us, and the best way to alter our mindset is to begin to practice doing so in different ways. So tomorrow, before you get on your horse, why not make a few mental notes of what you want to see when you look back on that ride and what attitude trail you will leave and, and pick up the bits of and what, how is it gonna best describe the ride from your horse's point of view as well as from your own? Above all, have fun with it and reconnect with your 12-year-old child.